becoming a Christian and getting involved in Christian community and the church and all these things then became this piece that it was so significant for me in terms of some kind of like move in my anxiety that it became, I, I clutched tight onto it. Hmm. Like I, I just imagine a very firm grip on it all throughout high school and became more and more certain of things. And because I needed that, didn't I did splitting for sure. Didn't question the things that didn't, like didn't question the pieces that were harming me yeah. that went along with it. Didn't question, I, 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 I assume celibacy mm-hmm. because I needed Jesus more. Mm-hmm. I needed that security more. Hmm. I assumed all kinds of pieces because that was certain. And there, there was, it was a very prominent, helpful thing for me. And, you know, I made a God of God. Welcome back to Barefoot to Emmaus. This is Char. And this is Byron. For tonight, we are joined by some very special guests. They're also podcast hosts. Oh, Ho- maybe? Hoax. They are <laughs> the hoax. hoax. They're yeah. the real deal. <laughs> the folks. <laughs> the folks. <laughs> so we're joined by Scott Gronholtz mm-hmm. and Mace mm-hmm. Mooney, who are hosts of our beloved sister podcast, No Small Thing. More like, like mama podcast. Beloved sister. I, I like to be a sister this. podcast. Yes. Yeah. Not a mama podcast. Older Mama? sister. Older, older, sister. older sibling. Showing us the ropes. <laughs> Showing us the ropes. And if the sound quality sounds a little different, oh the reason gosh. why is <laughs> it's world's different, y'all. We're over here at their studio. This is a whole <laughs> studio setup over here. Home My living room. <laughs> so, y'all, I'm really curious. Do you want to share just a little word about what got you going? Because I think uh, for our theme tonight, it's going to be related to that sense of passion that drove you into the podcast world. What got us going? Friendship? Uh, friendship, uh, I think, f- kindred spirits. Kindred mm-hmm. spirits, that would be the right word, because you didn't think we were friends. Right, yeah, a no, year no. into the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> fighting words. You know, mm. No, we're just reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not fine, it's true. I didn't think we were friends. I, I thought we had, like, a, a really nice, warm acquaintance, a professional relationship going. Wow. We would have liked to be friends. And but. Mace, you specifically did feel? Oh, yeah, I was okay. like, we were, of course, our friends. Okay. But we never talked and about this. And I think Scott secretly secretly thought but just was no secretly wanted yes. but sec- there it is. i secretly thought that we weren't friends mm, there it is <laughs> maybe maybe i publicly implied that and tried to act as if we were friends but i would say what happened with mace and me is that we would find ourselves in places getting um, locked into a long conversation about a myriad of things whether mm. it was philosophy or theology or art or music and or doors or whatever it anything. was. Doors. Anything random. <laughs> or chips. Yeah, and then yeah, people would say, you should start a podcast. And it was oh. like kind of a funny thing of, I feel like that's a modern thing to say to people if they enjoy talking to each other. Mm. I don't, it's just sort of Well, a, maybe start a podcast. Yeah, and, and then Maddie, who lives here, was the one that said, let's actually try. And hmm. it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the premise, I think, was long meandering conversations and then it took some more form right so it was we we called it no small thing and the the idea of that it was our two titles were potentially everything is interesting Mm. or no small thing 
and we stuck with no small thing and it's essentially this idea of nothing's too small to be talked about so invite once a week almost like a practice of sorts a conversation where we put a topic on the table and say anything goes with this topic it's not too small to be talked about Mm -hmm. and our original tagline was inviting you to live a less cynical more curious life Mm. um and then we shifted to start to believe in the power of cynicism yeah Mm. we're like well we we, we stand (laughs) with cynicism and we stand with certainty it's like it's not like less certain it's not no certainty all curiosity it's less certain more curious that's that's kind of our mission and clarify that for people yeah because some people are like well we have to have some certainty it's like yeah sure we have some ground points but i think both scott and i believe that at least in North American culture, our own experience that there is um, potentially toxic certainty in mm. the air, mm. and so we and 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 I think I'll speak for myself, but I have experienced in my own soul mm. a drive towards certainty in a way that has hindered me from learning, from growth, from care, from all kinds of things. What would you describe as the source of that drive? Mm, 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 mm. We're getting into it. I think basic. A sur- great question. I think like survival. Mm, like I probably. think I think protection. Like I think certainty in many ways is is a very safe thing. Like I, I immediately what comes to my mind is the defense mechanism of splitting, which mm. I don't know if you know much about. No. What? Let's give a little quick recap here. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Splitting. So like uh, we have all kinds of defenses and ways that as we're growing and coming into the world, we make sense of it. We okay. categorize it. We, we try and function in it. And there's this idea that we split things often. So if something's ambiguous, that's really hard to hold. Like amb- ambiguous things are, are tense. They have tension in our body. Mm. It's hard to make sense of. And so at a very young age, literally from infancy, we start doing what is often considered splitting. So taking what's ambiguous, because look at this fucking world. It's, are my allowed to curse yeah, on your Yeah, go for it. Fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> this, this world is complex and ambiguous and mysterious and dynamic and contains multitudes and all these things. And that's a whole lot that's that's a lot to hold Mm. and so we start to create splits in our minds of saying this is all bad or all good or this is this black and white almost in a way that drives certainty as a way to make sense of things Mm. so splits are like dichotomies yeah kind of like dichotomies exactly and so we start to create and form patterns of certainties and we get into ruts Mm. of certainties Mm. of sorts and the world is just simply not that way yeah and i i am not against splitting as of late i've been like well splitting's really necessary it's like a survival mechanism it's a survival but i think that that's i think that there there comes a point where well that served a certain point and it will continue to serve me Mm. but but i think I want. I think I wonder that gets in the way of curiosity, and yeah. that certainty can. It, it, safety is beautiful, but also play. Like it's like once you feel safe, you can go play. So These we're not dogs. we're not shaming the survival practice. No. We're allowing ourselves to grow past that. Mm. I don't even know if growing past is the right way. I would describe it more of expand, because mm. I think you will always still have these things. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. it's it's really important because, I mean, we have used defense mechanisms to enter into curiosity. So mm-hmm. we that's part of our, our topics have been going through all these defense mechanisms. I love that. Yeah. And so I think I think in the early days I, I was thinking of that language like, oh, we, we got to address this so I, I don't split anymore. You will always split mm-hmm. and you'll split in ways that are, are not 
uh, uh, readily apparent to you. Mm-hmm. It's not clear how you're splitting. You're just doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you can try um, to approach a conversation and notice when you're splitting, and that's something. But mm-hmm. but it is all survival. Like we wouldn't be able to just survive out in the world without our defense without our defense mechanisms. Yeah, and I think certainty keeps us. I think certainty is a good thing. But when we make a god of certainty, or we're we can't. We become so dead set on certainty, then we we lose sight of the present and we can lose sight of wonder mm. and curiosity. So, so what do wonder and curiosity offer us? Hmm, these are great. I want you to answer this first. <laughs> what do wonder and curiosity offer us? I mean, I, I go back to this thing I used to do with like, I've, I've been married for 20 years and I've done like a lot of marriage counseling. And I would always think about this idea of like the wingman. Hmm wing person, wing human. And it is so funny to me when like friends and spouses and people in relationship with each other, I guess in the early days, I'm, I'm 41, everybody, but in the early days of my sort of being married and talking to like, we're like, Oh, we're going to go out with other couples. Now we're going to get to know couples, you know? Mm. And there's always this thing of bad wingman, you know, like, like so many times. And I found it to be so boring and goofy. Like it was just so, the regular rhythm of a conversation with a new couple of like you sit down and the people go, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. The traffic was so bad. It took us an extra 40 minutes to get here. And the wife would go 38 minutes. <laughs> and like, and, they, and they'd be like, no, 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 no. It was like 41 actually. And, and I'm like, why, why? Like why? And That's in that hilarious. moment, curiosity and wonder, and it sounds low stakes, but it isn't because it's a, like a lifestyle. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't want anybody to miss, perceive exactly what we're talking about in the sense of like we're not scientists yeah although science is great like we're not we're not doing like a hypothesis and testing it out and doing this like rigid we're talking about like a posture of like okay so what happens when your spouse or friend or anybody that you know says something that seems off to you Mm -hmm. instead of immediately going to correct it with some toxic certainty being like i wonder why they think it's 38 minutes i thought it was 40 and it's What's going on with and me? And I wonder why I need to correct them. Right. I wonder why I need to correct them. I wonder what would be a helpful thing to bring into this space. I wonder what would set the tone for the evening in terms of like me having a good night. And and I, I mean, I think, too, it's this idea of there is a lot of internal wondering. You know, it's not just external wondering. You know, you look out and you see the universe and the stars and all the things that we could talk about in terms of society. And But like I heard a metaphor one time about like how humans tend to, and this I guess is even more pertinent now with all these billionaires going into space, Hmm. tend to want to push out and look out and talk about like aliens from outer space. And then somebody would say, we don't want to look at the alien from inner space Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. inward. So that space is actually more explored than the sea because the sea is really scary and it represents our internal worlds. Mm, And so like, I mean... It's so funny that in that situation, as low stakes it is, as it is, it's a way of living where you're just always correcting and always having unnecessary rigidity and fights and tension. And it's just like, I think I always have this feeling for no small thing of like clenched fists. I'm like, I'm like holding my own hands, everybody, like really clenched tight. And I would like the practice of wonder and curiosity to like just loosen the grip a little bit, you know, just loosen. Uh, so I think it creates wonder and curiosity. Um, curiosity creates the curiosity. Yeah, well, le- less true. tension, <laughs> less less tension, more thriving. I don't know. Yeah. 
I, I have this this phrase that I think was going to sound potentially, I, I, I think it sounds slightly pretentious saying this, but I'm going to risk it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's hear it. I think, <laughs> I think there's this piece of me that thinks being curious invites the real. Mm. Um, because I think I said this earlier, like the world is not easily understandable. It just simply is not. And certainty convinces us that we can maybe make sense of things and understand them and get to the bottom of them. I certainly still have that in me, wanting to do that. But curiosity has really challenged and opened me up to engage more with what's happening and be open to what could happen. I think it creates an openness when you can have a curious posture. There's a lot more that can happen. There's a lot more potential for what can happen in a space when you're entering into it with curiosity. Like, I think even just in conversation, you know, like if if I'm unable to be curious as what else is going on when, I don't know, I, I don't have a metaphor at the top of my head. But like, I think being curious in myself and with others and with the world just allows a lot more... Um, Ability to engage with the multiplicity, ability to engage with the complexity of things. Mm. And that to me feels like it's helpful and that that is the way the world is. Yeah. Mm. Oh, inviting the real. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of this idea of dialectics of things that seemingly can't fit together being Mm. fit together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I imagine a spectrum where we have the binary, let's say the black and white and then everything in between. It's not just that those are some points on a line, but that it's actually a mix of black and white, a mix of those two ends that somehow fit together in mm-hmm. a way that we can't really understand. And it's when we explore that that we find the gray. Yeah, so I think good. so. And I think like I'm, I think probably both of us, but like I'm very intrigued by paradoxes mm-hmm. and think that there's a lot of truth that lies in paradoxes. I mean, I think in Christian language, what's it, like a rightful paradox? That's Ortho paradox. Ortho paradox. Like that's that to me. I always feel like when we were, when you're talking about a paradox, we're really close to something that feels very true. Mm. And I think curiosity so has has allowed a lot more room for the ability to walk a tightrope of paradoxes mm. and to be okay walking the tightrope. You know, usually when people hear a paradox, they think impossibility. And you're saying that's actually the closest thing to reality. That's wild. I think so. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I think when you say that it's, 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 I, I think we're like, it's a project. It's a curiosity project. Like we're learning. Oh, and I think yeah, what we want to say is we've set the, we've set the mission. We've set the vision of like less certain, more curious. And then, and then it's like, how do we model that? And that's, I sort I think the podcast, it's a practice. But then there's another thing of, I think, in terms of our long-term career goals or vocational goals of, like, offering tools, very practical tools that would help people get curious. Mm. And um, one of them is dreams. Mm. And one of the reasons is you, you see um, perceivably nonsensical juxtapositions in dreams, relationships <laughs> next to each other, <laughs> things that sh- don't belong. But then you're like, wait, but it was there in the dream. Hmm. I can, con- my mind can conceive it. Yeah. My waking mind says, no, that's nonsense. But my dream just showed me that it isn't. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? So I think that's, I think that's just the play state. It's the curiosity state. Like what we do yeah. a lot of dream logging. There's another, I mean, dreams are, are interesting in, in a similar way that uh, you're, 
your brain is not rational. You know, right. optical illusions are similar. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what. I mean, you could you could have a seizure and your brain will have to make sense of it because yes. that's its job. Yes. Not to. Yeah. And so curiosity in the face of what is going on seems like it is more actually more practical in some ways, actually more productive, closer to the real than to say like, oh, it was exactly this neuron that's firing because of exactly right. this this input that. Yeah. Hmm. And you're recognizing the brain's desire or need to make sense of things. And you're saying, hold on one second you're sort of i guess maybe a little bit over overriding those instinctual things at mm -hmm. least for survival you're like thank you brain mm -hmm. like i heard um who wrote big magic it doesn't really matter it Charles does elizabeth, matter. Gilbert? elizabeth gilbert i shouldn't say it doesn't matter it does matter who wrote <laughs> big magic but um she had this really sweet thing where she was talking about talking to her fear mm. and that she would she pictured her fear being this like very strong like bouncer figure who's outside the bar like keeping people out and she would go into her writing room and she would say she would she would picture fear following in to the writing room and she'd be like very tenderly like you have protected me my whole life thank mm -hmm. you so much yeah. i love you yeah i don't need you for this you can wait outside right you know i don't you, you don't need your protection right now actually i actually need to not have fear in the room mm -hmm. you know so and i love that it's like yeah we have these instinctual things defense mechanisms splitting they have kept us alive and then we can create containers, as we like to say, where we say, for this, we're trying to bypass that and, and, and see what happens. We don't even know. I, the idea of a goal, even, I know, going back to even science and like mm -hmm. the idea of like a proven hypothesis, it's like we're not even, we, we don't even set out with a goal. We're, we're very, like, honestly, this project is also like, well, we're curious what unfolds when we try and sit down and be curious once a week. <laughs> you know? That's like, true. Who's to say what unfolds with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's interesting what themes, like, themes have emerged and mm -hmm. things have arisen as, like, oh, some certain things have started to unfold because of this set container of curiosity yeah. once a week. You feel like that's unpacking the deeper parts of, yourselves in that way of like what you start to meander towards or gravitate towards yeah it's interesting i was just thinking in my head i i think it goes i i see it in three parts i see it as interpersonally intrapersonally so like existing between two people and then like kind of expanding out looking more like group society larger you know into the the big mm -hmm. world but i think for us, it does probably mostly, I think, especially because it's like a, mostly just the two of us having a conversation, although we have lots of interviews. Mm -hmm. It's, it has been both this place, and I think it's because we're both committed to it with each other, where I, there's this phrase that I really love. It's from, it does matter, but I can't remember his name. Oh, Bateson. Bateson. I Everybody? forget his first name. Shout but, uh, out and many credits to Bateson. It, it takes two to know one. Mm -hmm. And that's been a really interesting thing of this podcast of we've done a lot of topics that are, yeah, like this idea of kind of turning inward with our curiosity, like looking at the, the inner interpersonal. Is that the right word for that? I don't know. And so I think that that's been I think it's been that's been a very big through line of our curiosity is how can we be more like self-curious, curious with ourselves and invite grace into the room with ourselves and being mm. curious. Like, I think that's another piece that's emerged with curiosity is it helps you to hopefully take things less seriously, which 
is a something that Scott always says is like this is so serious like ourselves and how mm. we think of ourselves is so serious we need to be playful about it I love that and paradox right <laughs> no exactly and so it's like this this thing of through our topics and then through just the the fact that we have this mantra like it lives in our bones of like lesser and more curious like all it takes is a little click of like you've been curious about this right. you know like all of a sudden i'm getting super frustrated about something and right. it's like oh like hearing that i'm like oh slow down like how can I invite curiosity into this space? And all of a sudden there's a lot more room. Mm. It, yeah. I think it's, mm. it's really interesting how accessible I think curiosity is, right? Mm. I was in counseling in counseling mm. or when I was being trained as a deacon, right? Just talking with people yeah. rather than saying like, that doesn't like, that's not right. 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 To just say, I wonder, or I'm curious if there's, and it automatically takes someone's guard down. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And, it's and like, I love that word too. It's accessible. Everybody. I feel like it's it is. There. It's like, oh, if I can walk in, and this is your whole thing of like listening. If I can sit down and I'm talking with someone and just have the goal of being, I don't need to get in the way of what they're trying to communicate. How can I almost get out of the way with my wondering to allow them? <laughs> like I don't need to get caught up in right. these pieces that are my own rigid things happening and it's Man. like so i can be curious around what's happening for me so i can be present to what's happening for them that's good i always i, I whenever you start saying things i'm like yeah right, yeah that's in. really good it's <laughs> <laughs> really good and it's different we've never interviewed two people at once before so even i'm just sitting back here of like do i even ever do i need to say anything like y'all <laughs> right. yeah. kind of dynamic yeah <laughs> we're really pumped like we really yeah. we're very passionate about it obviously yeah we're pumped i'm there like slow down maze <laughs> yeah. and and part of you know i just want to sit back and, and listen but then these thoughts come up and i'm like i'm curious how you yeah. would take it so of course so, I have a question as well. I've been trying to essentially, not in a harmful 1984 kind of style, oh. but in, in a different way, to remove the word answer from my vocabulary. Answer. Love that. Um, yeah. I mean, largely, no largely with the yes. leading a Bible study now, it's like kids ask all sorts of questions. And so many times, oh. teenagers want the answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't give you the answer. Right, right. right. I can hardly give you an answer. I will give you some responses. Ooh, right. And so Ooh, that's that. responses are the word that's, uh, that's replacing that in my mind. I'm wondering, uh, maybe this is more on that like cynical side of things. Let's get cynical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cynical. I like that's like a segment, like a little chime comes in, like mm -hmm. time for some cynical. Let's get cynical. <laughs> Um, cause, cause we tested the, the, the edge of certainty and we said like, oh, here's the drawbacks to certainty. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, and I'm curious cause you've probably been talking about this for a year. I wonder, I'm trying to, how do I wrap this up? There are, I feel like there's a certain extent to which curiosity might be a privilege mm -hmm. that like mm -hmm. to live, yes. to live yes. in the theory mm -hmm. might be, yes. you know, it, it's. If I need something real right now, yeah. mm -hmm. then I may not have survival. the space to ask it. Survival, yeah. I may not have the space to ask a question about it. Um, I think that gets to the to the heart of my question. Like, there is there something... Because you're not talking about a curiosity that is endless and oh. ambiguous, you know, for... You said, like, curiosity begets curiosity or something like that. But curiosity also... It's not that it doesn't give you responses. Mm-hmm. It, it's not meant to give you answers, but it's not not giving you responses mm -hmm. to go off of with more curiosity or something. Like, 
Yeah, I don't know. So those two questions, I like have so many thoughts. The end. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what, what is the what is the end of you curiosity? go first, Mace? And what then, is the end of curiosity? That's a great <laughs> episode. <laughs> and then, um, what about like some of the the privilege theoriness? I have I have a lot of thoughts, and I and Scott also does too. So I'll have to let's go, be let's, mindful let's share of some this. Thoughts. I think this is something that's emerged in in having this mission of like again we aren't saying all curiosity because I think you're right in so many realms of like yeah what if what if you before you can get into this headspace of exploration actually need that safety piece like what if you haven't received the safety of the just for an example the defense mechanism of splitting or what if you Mm -hmm. haven't received like you don't have the security to go out and play. Like you need to first have find security and gain that. I think this is an interesting thing of like, there's, it seems like there's almost this path of like being certain. And then from that, you can move into curiosity. Mm. I'm just thinking these thoughts. I don't know if I believe them. This is what we do. But another piece that I think has emerged (laughs) in terms of like some, some maybe things that, and maybe them taking this too far of like pitfalls of curiosity is I think there's like two different things. Like I think one is being like, honestly, there's a lot of consent involved with curiosity. Like mm. I think there's a little potential, especially around other people's stories and other people's narratives. Mm. Like I've been in classroom settings where it's like, well, I'm just being curious. Mm. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're crossing a boundary with someone and their story and oh. their lived experience. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like Tucker Carlson faux cert curiosity right i'm just asking questions right like, and you're not like, these no, are ridiculous questions no, like <laughs> i feel like there's there's a sense what did we say contain curiosity we had a word mm, that we wanted to do well, i like contain curiosity like like it's uh, curiosity if it, if it reaches right. the point of being exploitative or right. like grabbing or like curiosity like i mean thinking about like colonization and thinking about exploration mm. like curiosity drove yeah. that mm-hmm. so like what's that that needs to be checked mm. and who are we being curious around and how are you going about it? And are you being, is it mutual curiosity? Mm. Is it in mutual relations? This is so good. Like that needs to be like consent needs to be involved, especially around curiosity of like people outside of yourself. Because even questions have a certain pointedness Mm -hmm. and and direction to them. Mm -hmm. Like if I ask you, where were you on Friday? You can't say bananas, you know, like there's, there's a limit to what, Mace might be able to say bananas. And so when a question is being asked, there's a certain part of your story that is being prodded into. Mm-hmm, and that exactly. needs to require consent for it to be you know, a healthy relationship there. Like the fascination that was happening during women's stories during the Me Too campaign. It's like, no, like, exactly. I don't have to this tell doesn't you this. need yeah. to be yeah. exposed. We just need to know that it happened. Yeah. I like this a lot Uh, (laughs) um i like this idea of consent and i also think like i think what i think you'd agree with me that this is as people that skew academic like we like heavy quotes (laughs) academia um i don't want this what we're doing here with no small thing to be academic like this Mm. is everyday curiosity this is at the dinner table with your friend this is talking and walking with people you care about. This is living life, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I do think it is a privilege to be like, if you're more consumed with just survival then like, yeah, we, I want, I want to acknowledge that yeah. what we're asking for probably is a privilege, but I, w- I, I like, I also want to bring defense mechanisms back into it because it's in here. 
<laughs> I think it's important to acknowledge, which is again, I think all, all the clarity around this idea of like not all curiosity, more curiosity. It's not like you're living mm-hmm. a life of all curiosity where you're just completely oversaturated and creating in a new binary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's is it certainty or curiosity? It's like you don't have to choose one or the other, but there is a defense mechanism called intellectualization, mm-hmm. which I think all four of us could probably <laughs> fall into. You know, and it's like you're just essentially spinning your wheels. And I had my son you know, I always say youth are prophets had a moment of like exasperation with me one time when we were having an argument and funnily in a funny way, it had to do with Enneagram. And he was saying, I have this perception about this teacher. And I kept saying, well, I see all sides. I see all sides. And he kept saying, but I have a, I have, I have a point I'm trying to make to you. And my, my move was like, well, I see all sides, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this, 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 I'm curious. And Jack just looked at me at probably like, he was probably like 14 and said, do you think, and he doesn't even know about defense mechanisms. Do you think that your openness is just a way to not actually listen to the point I'm trying to make? Damn. And he, and he looked at me dead in the eye and he was actually on a lipt, an elliptical trainer in the gym. And so he was towering over me <laughs> and I was just like, my son has just totally checked me and put me in my place. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Like in the name of quote unquote being curious, I am now just, everything's mush. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just curious. And Jack's like, well, I'm trying to tell you something. And I'm like, maybe, who knows? Right. I just wonder. And, and he's like, well, this is a nonsensical conversation. And you're not listening to me. Mm. Yeah. And it's not getting us anywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah, you had the privilege to explore other options. Yeah. Rather right. than yeah. to hear what he needed to say for his survival in that context. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's a great way of saying it, too. It's like, in the name of my exploration, I'm missing Jack. I'm not, yeah. I'm not listening to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm making it about myself and my doesn't need to be curious, you know? So I think that's why defense mechanisms are so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you actually doing? It's like, I'm just thinking, blah, 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 words, 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 you know? And it's like, that's great. But there comes a point where you're like, we've talked about this in terms of the Enneagram of like unproductive thinking. Right. You're circling around and around and around and and it sounds intellectual, but you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. You haven't arrived at anything helpful or. Right, and it's like if the curiosity isn't in bodies and you're not aware of your impact on bodies, mm. then that's like, yeah, it's like reaching that intellectual space where it's like, well, that that's something else, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Seeing the real people there. Yeah. You two have talked a lot and done a lot of thinking on defense mechanisms, which, yeah. I, which I love. Yeah. It's so interesting. And so I'm curious <laughs> then bring that back. in that like intrapersonal, diving into the self, Yeah, is there a space where you need consent from yourself to go to certain places. Ooh, oh. the question. Self-consent? The Coming question. with that. I, I was just going to pause and say, I, I think I think Byron and Frederick are really good podcast interviewers. I this agree. is really fun. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, already, I already know you have some thoughts on that. Because <laughs> you, you've been dealing with personal consent. I, I like. have. Yeah. Self-consent's been an, is something that's emerged in the past like six months for me of Ooh. like, whoa, wait, am I self-consenting? Because I think I started showing up in therapy and was like, all these things, all these things, all these things. Yeah. And at one point, my therapist was like, do you want to be sharing all this? Like, do you want to keep, like, you can say no to some things. You know, I think there's this piece of me that, you know, we talk. We talked about this idea of binaries, and it's like we're trying to walk this tightrope between honestly certainty and curiosity. That's actually a fun way to think about it. Mm. And I have a tendency to get swallowed into things and to take things all the way to their extreme. So it's it's interesting that 
I feel like even in this conversation, I'm mm. like, oh, I'm having some thoughts around that. Like, mm. I'm like seeing how I can myself be so swept up into it. Um, but yes, I think that there is points where, you know, an example is actually with the Enneagram. So it's been brought up. The Enneagram is like a tool. The Enneagram has been invoked. It has been. You, you mentioned it. So it's like, oh. it's in the air. It's here. It's come to the space. For folks who don't know, the Enneagram is, it's a symbol, an ancient symbol, a nine pointed symbol that many folks have, uh, used the symbol as a way of understanding human personality and like archetype structures. And there's all kinds of teachers around the Enneagram. And for us in our early first, you know, two and a half, three years of the podcast, we use the Enneagram as a means of entering into self-exploration as like curious. We would use the Enneagram as a tool for curiosity. And we did all these interviews and actually experienced this very disruptive moment for both of us where we interviewed a lot of different folks and they gave all kinds of different ideas of what types we were that were different than what we thought we mm. were. So I thought I was a four and then was very challenged to consider other numbers. Challenging your self-perception. Yes, totally <laughs> challenging my self-perception. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. Like it was, it was a very large thing of like, do I need to figure out what my type is? You know, we've de been so dedicated to the Enneagram. Do I need to figure out what my type is? I want to be curious. I want to be curious and open to all these other people's ideas. I don't want to just think I'm certain on what my type is. And so then it became like, well, what if I'm this type? What if I'm that type? What if I'm this? And I kind of eventually came to this realization that, you know, right now I don't need to know. And I can let go of knowing that and kind of like, let it in the air and give it space. And maybe I can come back and try and figure out my type, but I don't need to do that right now. That's not good for me. If I mm. were to check in with my self-consent, like going that deep actually isn't helping me right now. It's, mm. it's getting in the way of things and it's, it's hurting me. And so that became this space of it's okay to let that go. And you're not, you, you're not like failing if you don't know and you don't like, follow this full curiosity pursuit. And it's interesting because now that I've had more space, I definitely have a lot of emerging thoughts around it mm. that are way different than I would oh, have expected. Oh, yeah, get yourself some space. Exactly. Yeah. Like with some space, it's like, okay, now I now feel a lot more boundaried around it. Mm. Like I have boundaries of like when, how much can I explore it? And then it's like, okay, cool. I'm done for now. I don't need to figure it out, which is interesting. You mentioned this thing of like taking answers out of mm. your vocabulary. And I'm that. like, okay. I need to hear that. Mm. Like yeah. I fully need to hear that. I am the, I am a self-diagnoser. I am a someone who wants to find the answer. Response. Byron. <laughs> Good job, Byron. <laughs> so that's what that kind of emerges for me. And I think in, in, in another piece, we've had to learn how to practice consent with each other of when, to say, hey, right now I'm I'm flooded mm. and I know we want to be curious, but right now I need to like slow down. Like let's give this space. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean I'll get really meta for a quick second just because we both are adding to that question. And and in terms of tools, um let's create a three minute container to talk about containers. Yes. This is a container in the midst of a container. The podcast is a container, but like when we talk about containers, the first thing that always, reception. yeah, Contain me, the thing that comes to my mind is like Tupperware. Ah, yeah. You know, like you take some container, you put the lid on it, you put it in the fridge, but it's nice to think that like I am, I'm designating 
a podcast to talk about vibes. We talked about vibes recently. It's two hours, and that's the container. We're going to go all in for two hours. I don't think we've talked much about vibes since. We have reference points. We're right. like, vibes. But, like, um, I think in terms of consent, it's the same thing. There's something very strange and subtle about your internal world that I think I'm only starting to discover mm-hmm. of, like, spinning my wheels, I guess I keep saying. Like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't have to think. I have the I have the ability to stop my brain if I want. And it's work. It's a practice. Like, it's it's really actually challenging to turn off my brain. But, like, to be able to say, okay, well, it seems, it seems self, that you want to think about something. Let's give it 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then whether I'm laying in my bed and trying to fall asleep and I'm obsessing over something or something has churned something up in my life, whether it's, like, a conflict or something, I'm like, I am choosing not to think about this anymore for now. I have to move on. I have to be present with my family. I have to just sit on my back deck and not think about that, you know? And I guess that, that brings up privilege again in terms of like what you're able to do in terms of the time and space that you have. But like, again, I, I, I would hope this applies to anybody that whether you're working or doing anything, you can say, I'm not thinking about that right now. Yeah, so right now I'm not I'll being give, curious I'll about that. I'll give it 15 minutes if it yeah. needs that and then say, okay. And, I, and I've noticed my brain to be like a little spoiled little three-year-old. I say, we're not thinking about that. My brain throws a tantrum. And I'm like, no, no, no. And the brain's like, I want to think about that. I'm like, no. You know, and it, and it is kind of getting my brain under control. I'm like, stop. So you're saying compartmentalization can actually be healthy. I think so. I, I, I think that's almost, I think yeah, compartmentalization, but I think there's this sense, I mean, you brought up the word container and immediately I think of a practice that both Scott and I started about six months ago called morning pages, Mm. which I think is a very good example of a helpful container, which is, it's based off this book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way. And it essentially is every morning you, as much as it can be your first thing you do in the morning, however you set that up, you write three pages, free associated, no judging yourself, no looking back and reading, no agenda besides free associating for three a page, three pages. And that can become this kind of container, that, container. that allows allows the bouncing thoughts and bouncing things to come out and allows this curiosity to emerge of like when I free associate, what comes up and what comes up in what order. And like it, it's for me, mine bounce around so much. And it's like this very interesting thing that when you give yourself the container, then it allows it, 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 it helps keep it at bay yeah. in a way. Well, I think there was something, again, to get meta. It's like there was something very soothing and grounding about us saying at the beginning of this, it's 930. Mm-hmm. We're going to end at 930. It's not 930 right now, everybody. But, but, <laughs> but we were saying like... Might be a, where you are. A lot's <laughs> going to get stirred up. Yeah, at this moment, as you're listening, it might be 930. Um, a, lo- a lot might get stirred up in this conversation, but I feel like I can follow the path of what gets stirred up because I know it has an end end point. But if, but I mean, honestly, we've already created a storm of thoughts in this conversation. And so if it like, if it, if it, if if the feeling was that it was going to go on for another four hours, I'd start to get sleepy and scared Mm. and overwhelmed. And I'm like, I can't contain this. Like we're, we're, we're as a group of four people letting ourselves really wander around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't, infinite i'd be like i'm i'm overwhelmed 
I'm flooded. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do it. Yeah. But we're like, it's going to end at 930. We'll just go back to normal life. I'm like, right. oh, I can do that then. Yeah. I'll keep, then I can just like, bah, 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 bah. I'm like, this is all going to end at 930. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> That's awesome. You know, Barefoot Timaeus, I would like to consider us a public theology podcast mm. rather than preaching to society. We're engaging in conversation with society in a theological way. Love and that. so I'd love, love to that. transition us to the spiritual theological side Ooh. of curiosity because I know both of you have had a rich history. Um, Frederick is our guide. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, in both in institutions and the ways mm -hmm. that, that has caused harm. Mm -hmm. Oh. but also in your own individual spiritual journey. And I want to know how has curiosity impacted that journey, your spiritual journney? Mm. <laughs> Mace, you have a very dreamy look right now. I really appreciate it. Do you want me to go? Because I'm pretty ready to go. Yeah, you I'm go. pumped. Yeah. I'm um, pumped. <laughs> I mean, I think for me personally, the way my story intersects with this podcast is like, all love to the people that raised me. Mm. I, I think they're beautiful people. My grandparents, my parents, my churches, my youth leaders, all of that. But like the way I experienced Christianity growing up was that it was a project oriented towards certainty. Mm. And I had questions and it was viewed as a burden. Hmm. Anybody that wanted to come in here and say, that's not what happened. At least that's what I experienced. That's how I experienced it, you know? And, and, and I, I started to get tastes of um, like what it would be like to have questions approached with excitement and it's okay to ask questions. And that just felt so wonderful. And I think eventually in terms of the, the journey or the story or the context that you reference, which eventually all of us were participating, all four of us were participating in a church that felt a little bit more conservative than I was used to. Um, I was confronted. It was almost like a, a, a beast that had been slayed in my life came back to life. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll just say this. Frederick and I, Frederick was a student of mine at the youth group I was in charge of at a church. Many years ago. Many years ago. And that church changed my life. Like, it was a little bit more spacious, progressive, all the, whatever words you would want to tie to it. Um, <laughs> and I would say... In terms of my journey, it nudged me along a journey, and I thought I was moving away from some more basically like conservative, rigid approaches, and then found myself thrust back into mm -hmm. this, like, um, I don't, I don't know what word I'd want to use. This drama, mm. this drama of conservative theology and certainty, toxic mm -hmm. certainty, and I was like, I thought I had I moved feel like away certain from is this. More more apt than conservative. Yeah, and I'm grappling with it. I felt like I was like classic, you know, you know, I'm 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 this little character like Frodo or somebody with a little with a little with a little sword and I'm trying to fight these demons, you know, like ah, you know, like I don't want to be part of this anymore. And um I think for me um the stakes got higher and I I was just like, you know, we we need to get more curious like this this isn't going to work for me anymore and 
for me, it really did feel like a, a beast was slain or something. Hmm. You know, I was like, this, this is, this has got to end right now. No more of this. I'm not, I'm not going to enter back into communities like this. I'm not going to participate in a system like this. I'm not going to uphold things like this anymore. Um, so yeah. even from a, ch- from childhood, you had this interest that was, yeah. that was shut down and so in some ways, <laughs> don't want to get Freudian, but there's like no, this reawaking <laughs> of the childhood issue that hadn't been resolved. Yes. I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I want to know is how did you keep that fire going? Like for, I know for so many people, you know, and if we think about people who are certain, they probably as children had curiosity too, you know? I think we all start as, as, as ch- children always start mm, curious. I have a cousin yeah. who's... Not the curious. Least curious child I've ever met. <laughs> Maybe there's some exceptions. <laughs> That's really funny. So exceptions to the rule, but but you, in general, you yeah, kept sure. you kept that fire alive, at least, or somehow it came back up. Maybe. Well, I I guess I guess as we're recapping the story, it's like to a certain extent, I I'm happy that I experienced this thing of the beast coming back because I think my journey of wanting to push along with questions just got me into spaces just naturally without very much intention that felt more curious. Mm. And then all of a sudden I found myself back in a space that wasn't. And I was like, Oh, there's some unresolved stuff in my life. Mm. And I just keep saying this beast needs to be slain, whatever, you know, this needs (laughs) to go. I thought it was, but it's come back, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, but you know, there, there is this idea of like a, I mean, I have to make sure I don't go off too much on this stuff, but everybody knows I'm obsessed with Peter Rollins. And go for it. <laughs> Peter, this they, is, this is these f- folks haven't. Yeah. People listening to Different Minutes True. don't know about Peter True. Rollins. True. Good point. This is, and they don't know about how much I talk about Peter Rollins, right. but this is probably Freudian. And, and it's interesting to think about this idea of like a prohibition makes something that much more interesting. Real mm. quick for folks, Peter Rollins is a, what would you call him? Uh, he might be considered a psychoanalyst and public theologian. But he calls he call himself, himself a a Christian, and I mean his 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 Instagram like bio is really funny. I mean, if I pulled it up and I had time, maybe I'll pull it up while you're talking and read it later. But like, P- yeah, look up Peter Rollins, everybody on Instagram or social media, whatever. But That's like, homework. Uh, <laughs> so so he would say uh, the idea of a chaperone mm-hmm. is um, where the term making love comes from. Because a chaperone in the presence of two people on a date would uh, instigate love, instigate lust. Yeah. The fact that you have somebody watching you and making it so you can't kiss or can't make a move makes you want it that much more. Hmm. So for me, I mean, I... <laughs> That's how this thing got yeah, started. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think people in my life were telling me I can't be curious. So I'm like, okay, well, it's making it really sexy. Mm. Being curious is now like... And then, it, and then it, the again, I think red it, button. Yeah, you know, exactly. It came back in my adult life where I'm like, okay, well now I've found communities that are giving me full permission to be curious. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm in, in this church that's being like, no, absolutely not. And I'm like, well, screw it. Now I really want to get curious, you know? Um, mm. So I think that the psychology of like my life, I, I, I say this, I mean, saying this is for, for fun <laughs> and for laughs, but there was a classic thing in my life I don't know why it kept coming up and it's probably all sorts of weird transference stuff, but like I would be, I feel like all four of us could relate to this in our own way of like, I'd be starting to do my thing of asking questions, being skeptical, wanting to know, digging and somebody in the room, whether it was my brother or a friend in my Bible study or a person in my dorm, they go, they go like this. 
Scott. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody be like, here's the Bible study night. Here's the answers. And I'd be like, wait, wait, well, what about? And it was just natural. I didn't even know what I was doing. And people would go, somebody would be like, well, it's this and this and this. And what you have to know about God and the Bible and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'd be like, I don't really understand. Like, help me understand because I think this and I heard this. And what about this? And eventually somebody would go, Scott. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? What? I'm like, I want to know. <laughs> you're being so Scott. Yeah, you're yeah. being so Scott. Um, yeah, I mean, theology and church got invoked, so that's what naturally came up for me. Mm. But do you want to? <laughs> you're over there. I feel like you're waiting now. You're like, oh, in the corner ring, like ready to put me in, I'm put me corner. in. <laughs> tag team. I feel like it's a tag team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I, there's this piece of me that as you're talking, I'm like, it's so interesting what emerges for you when Frederick asked that question. And for me, I got really emotional mm-hmm. and t- could tell I got really emotional with that question and still am. And it, it feels like there's like a, a, a slight journey for me in terms of, I was a really anxious kid. Still, I'm a really anxious person. So, you know, certainty is really helpful when you're anxious, you know, if you can have something to stand your feet on and something Mm -hmm. grounding. And I think certainty actually is probably not the right word. I think certainty, maybe security Mm -hmm. is what you need, but certainty is like a, is a potentially like a false replacement Mm -hmm. for what security would be. And, (laughs) and so for me, I had a lot of separation anxiety, Mm -hmm. a lot of concern around, not being in my home, not being with my parents. And my, f- I, so uh, growing up, my dad and I would read the Bible and like read Psalm 23 every night before bed. And I didn't grow up in a church home. Uh, my dad didn't like church, but definitely had his own thoughts on God and had a relationship with God. And so that was really instilled in me. Hmm. And that was kind of a very grounding thing that I experienced. And then I went to evangelical Christian contexts and church camps and was really highly anxious about not being home. And I was a kid who couldn't do sleepovers, couldn't do things. Like the mm. fact that I went to this camp was kind of this wild thing. My parents always say that they knew I like sobbed on the bus and they were like, we're waiting for the call for you to us to come and have to pick you up. Oh. We wanted to mm. try. Been there. And Mm -hmm. classic altar call energy happens. And all of a sudden, this person is telling me that I'm not alone, that Jesus is always going to be there. Mm. And that I have someone to trust. I have a secure person that lives inside of me. And if I just trust this person, then I'll be okay. And so around seventh grade, that became a a huge piece of certainty for me. Jesus is there. Jesus is this person, and I'm not alone. The rock on which I stand. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And, I mean, there was this image of, like, you're hanging onto a rope, and you need to let go and Mm. let God, Mm. and Mm. there's a net that's going (laughs) to catch you. You know, it's like all these things. And for someone who was having a hard time, I was, like, on a leash because Mm. of my anxiety. It was like, well, now you have someone, like, it, it set me free to kind of be explorative in the world because I had this this figure that I could then lean on to. Hmm. And so Christianity became in like 
becoming a Christian and getting involved in Christian community and the church and all these things then became this piece that it was so significant for me in terms of some kind of like move in my anxiety that it became I, I clutched tight onto it. Mm. Like I, I just imagine a very firm grip on it all throughout high school and became more and more certain of things. And because I needed that, didn't I did splitting for sure. Didn't question the things that didn't, like didn't question the pieces that were harming me yeah. that went along with it. Didn't question... I, 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 I assume celibacy mm-hmm. because I needed Jesus more. Mm-hmm. I needed that security more. Hmm. I assumed all kinds of pieces because that was certain. And there, it, was, it was a very prominent, helpful thing for me. And, you know, I made a God of God, which is an interesting mm. thing for me to think An too. idol, maybe? An idol, yeah. That, yeah. that might be better. And mm. A God of God. Then I... Then I went to college and got a degree in theology. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for the many professors that expanded and challenged all these pieces that I had been certain around. You know, all of a sudden my professors, you know, like, hey, there's four gospels and they don't align. <laughs> and I'm like, oh what? my gosh, what? <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm reading Noah's Ark and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. That killed all <laughs> these people yeah. and we're just accepting that. Like all of a sudden I start to become, it started to unravel mm. this thing that I was so certain and started to unravel. And I'm grateful for lots of pieces along the way. I, I went to this retreat where someone, the whole retreat was on contemplative practices and that was really grounding in the midst of a lot of unraveling of the certainties um, but then, you know, Scott's mentioned it, we were at a church that wasn't, wasn't a very healthy environment for someone going through doubts. Um, and I eventually got to this place of, you know, I, for me, it became, I was so certain Jesus needed to exist. I was so certain this God needed to exist. And then all of a sudden, as I began, cur- got curious, so much of what I had taken as truth, I couldn't take Mm. as truth anymore like I was like I don't I can't believe in this anymore because that's too everything's way more complex than these simple answers I had relied on and then it was like the floor came out from underneath Mm. me like now I don't have anything now I'm alone again and went through a season of atheism and it's very fascinating thinking of its journey on the podcast because it, it happened like three months before we started the podcast that like everything kind of culminated in, I went from being certain to it's kind of unraveling to certain of nothing, Hmm. certain of none of the existence. This thing was this Christianity, this God, it all betrayed me. Like a pendulum shift. You went from the Mm. one side to the other. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And you know, it's, it's interesting because Scott and I were emerging as, in my opinion, friends. <laughs> and Scott was a very a very stable presence in the midst of this. I mean, it's funny. We were talking today about one of the conversations on a car ride home when I was like, dude, I don't believe this anymore. Mm-hmm. And we 
decided to do this podcast still. And I think, and Scott, you could attest to this, part of it was this, I was going to move home. I was like, I've lost stability. I And I. it's interesting. I said, I'm going to move home. I can't be here anymore. And out of an effort to keep me in Seattle, I think <laughs> a little bit was like, well, let's get that podcast started. You know, people yeah, said absolutely. we would get that podcast started. Yeah. And I think. Let's keep this fun acquaintance. Right, exactly. Relationship going. Exactly. Won't you stay with me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I want to be friends. Stay I want to eventually be friends. Me. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know what we were, we didn't know what we were doing when we began this podcast. We didn't know what, what it meant. And, and our motto emerged months after we started. But curiosity was at the heart of it. And I think this podcast, this practice of curiosity allowed me to start to re-enter into some ambiguous spaces mm. with God. Mm. So where you would talk about all different kinds of things and it's this interesting piece of like, well, if I can be curious around talking about chips, it's not just even about <laughs> the content of chips. Like it's, it's, it's just as much the content as it is the practice of weekly sitting down and saying anything we can be mm. curious and mm. hold ambiguously. Dang, that's so good. And so all <laughs> of a sudden I can't, all of a sudden I'm experiencing, I'm having experiences of God. And what do I do with that mm. in the midst of, I said I was abandoning this thing. Mm. And all of a sudden I'm, I am having more ability to hold the tension and the ambiguity and be curious around, well, why was, why did I feel betrayed? What else was going on for me? Why might it have been good for me that I, Jesus was simple in seventh grade. Mm, Why might it have been good for me that I had a season of atheism? Why might it have been good for me? These things. Well, wow. All of a sudden God is not this Trinity, God, father, son, and Holy spirit. God is this, mother child and the space between Mm. and that's a trinity Mm. and all of a sudden there's so much more room for what god could be and who i could be in relation to god and so it just became it just naturally allowed more space for me to go back and know actually i've always been a person who's been highly spiritual and that's been important to me and intuition's always been important to me and sacred texts are important to me and all these pieces that I thought I needed to throw out now could have more room because I had more space for them because I think we had I'd cultivated curiosity in, yeah. in me Ooh, what a, uh, testify Those yeah <laughs> Mace, I love you so much and Mm. I love Mm. that story, your story so much. And I think it really does speak to what so many people are going through. Mm -hmm. People who are wrestling with struggles with the church, whether it be about, you know, uh, non-accepting, non-affirming stances um, around queerness Mm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, any other aspect, um, the complacency, the hypocrisy, all these things, you know, we reject that and we feel like this one box was everything because it expressed itself as certainty. Mm-hmm, there was no mm-hmm. room to have uh, nuance or curiosity in that box. And so if the box yeah. becomes problematic, you have to throw 
the whole box out. It was so fragile. Yeah. Mm, right. It's right. so fragile. Exactly. I think about the song Cannot Keep You by Gunger, which mm. says we cannot keep you in the church. We cannot keep you in the Bible or it's just another idol to box you in. Damn. That you're saying making a God out of God, but it's really making a God out of the construct of God that you were fed. Oof. Dang. And yep. so in yep. that way, Some you... Bars tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was it was this limitation to your ability to engage fully with the holy divine mystery. Right. You know, when right. I, and Byron and I, we've had a lot of conversations around uh, how to engage with the identity or idea of God. And in classical theology, there are all these omnis, omnipresent, right. omnipotent, mm. Mm. Um, omniscient, the idea of God being perfect and therefore all powerful, all knowing, mm. you know, and there, and while that sounds unimaginable, in some ways it also is pretty simplistic, you know, yeah. because right. it, it sets the rules. Like, oh, if God is perfect in this way, then this must be the case. Right. And we and we don't leave a lot of room for certainty. Charlie's so, a big believer in singularities, but it all comes together at one <laughs> point. Mm, <laughs> yes, the oneness. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the interesting thing for me, I get drawn to Jesus because, in some ways. Jesus seems to make things more clear. It's like you, you heard it said this way, but actually let me clarify it for you. You have a human that you can touch. There's something real that you can engage with. Um, but in the way that we understand ourselves as humans as being so complicated, like this is so much of what we've been talking about, that idea of God that was so easily manipulated by religious leaders to be mm -hmm. like, this is who God is and we have control of this idea. Jesus blew that out of the water by saying, I'm God and I'm complicated. Yeah. You yeah. know, you can't That's put good. me in a box. Yeah. You can try. And I love that Jesus himself invites people into curiosity by asking questions like, who do you say I am? Yeah. So you know, good. Jesus is curious and mm -hmm. invites oh. us into that curiosity. And speaking in parables. Right. Exactly. Like there's, yeah. there's very little certainty. Yeah. There's, little answers. there's answers, but it's like they're obscure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. And challenging the status quo. And I guess that just brings up and I got this is kind of, I'm, I'm sure Bear, Barefoot Timaeus is kind of a, theology podcast in a way you know mm -hmm. it's like if you're it's talking very about much is yeah i think one of the, yeah i think public one of the, theology yeah public theology i think one of the things in terms of theology is somebody that you know i guess we all study theology in this room and and i think something that this podcast helped me do that took my seminary degree to a, a, a new more maybe embodied level i guess or something like that of saying there's exegesis which i think exegesis is a great form of curiosity you know, it's like using all these tools at your disposal to dig into a text and to look at the original language, to look at the original intent, to, to look at how that was eventually interpreted, to, to look at how it was incorporated into the broader canon of scripture and so many cool questions. And then after you've done all that digging and you have some certainty in terms of, well, what did they mean? And what is this word? Like, we don't need to question what this word means. We do know what this word means. Mm -hmm. and we, our, our human understanding of what language means has has taken this you guys are in this right now like ancient language with no punctuation and tried to form a sentence out of it and and then and then once we have a little bit more understanding of what that sentence meant we're still left as actual living breathing humans in the modern world to 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 apply it to our individual contexts that that ancient world knew nothing about yeah and so that's again where i think something about curiosity and especially as it happens in community and maybe even Christian community gets really interesting instead of like, this is meant to, you know, calcify or, you know, 
uh, make something very, um, something that's meant to be lived and embodied and living and active and all that into something that's rigid and dead and, um, you know. And so, yeah, I think I think that's the fun one. One of the f- phrases that we reference a lot, as as a, a, the four of us, is otherwise possibilities. So it's like, can we imagine uh, a world where we arrive at some truth and some certainty based on what this verse meant, but then how, how it has endless application yeah. mm. to where we are now. It opens up more curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. At least it should. And we're co-creators. Co-creators. And meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I was thinking again, maybe pessimist brain. Um, or, <laughs> Let's uh, get that well, pessimist well, brain going. That wasn't it. It was <laughs> cynicism brain. Cynicism brain. Cynicism time. <laughs> um, the theological sense. Um, I have for years wanted to uh, focus in on some some questions of like astrotheology. Whoa. Like, yeah. 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 What does it mean if we find life on other planets? Yes. What right. does it mean if it's sentient? Is it fallen? Like, all, what are all these things? Great. Um, and the biggest response I get is, it that's a it doesn't matter. Doesn't like, matter. It, it's too big or whatever. I, and I, I don't want to think about that. I discovered a similar thing that happened when um, I started reading the Book of Enoch, mm-hmm. and Enoch is a really fascinating story. It's in the <laughs> Apocrypha, outside the Bible, um, depending on which Bible the. Yeah, Ethiopian Orthodox consider it uh, canonical <laughs> scripture, um, but it's j- essentially a story for those of you who don't know. Um, essentially, a story of this guy named Enoch, who was Noah's great grandfather, mm. who like had this prophetic vision of uh, what the structure of heaven and some of the things that had happened in terms of angels. And mm. I started asking questions about like how demons work and uh, and some of these things. And again, the feedback that I got, the pushback was like, it's above your pay grade. Hmm. Ah. What? Like you as, you as a human. Um, <laughs> yeah, you as a human. <laughs> well, I, and, and We're so hired I, by higher powers. <laughs> like like above your pay dangerous grade. for you to engage? There, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hmm. Some, some people were thinking like, yeah, that it's dangerous. Some people were thinking like, literally, it's beyond your comprehension. Like your hmm. wonder can't even penetrate. Oh, into that that, right, that, that brings me back to some old school c- Christianity. So, so I'm curious. Like, this yeah. is what I want to take. I love yeah. that. There. Great question. Yeah. Oh, what's the question? Is there a question? <laughs> well, I, I I really like to ask questions you want that are like you want I make to talk a statement. About astrotheology? No, no, no. no, no, no. Have, I, I like to make a statement and then say uh, <laughs> yes? Question mark? Have you have you folks heard of I forget what kind of theologian? Which I just want to name. I, there's this interesting thing about theology. Like it's a very funny thing. Like yeah. I I think I've gone back and forth on like what's the point of theology? And mm. I'm in this space right now where I'm like actually theology is kind of cool in the sense of like you're naming it like astro theology mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like black liberation theology, mm-hmm. queer theology. Yeah. Like what what does this mean that we have? It's 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 a field in which we can explore human experience and our relation to that is what that which is beyond us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yes. in a very beautiful, cool way. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that's sick. You can find all different kinds of, and like, that's the thing is like, let's be curious of what fields of theology are yet to be explored or created. And Jesus came for the sick, you know, the sick content. Jesus came for the sick, not the well. So <laughs> the sick content. Oh, your pun is bad. Then you should feel bad. <laughs> oh. I try. I, try. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I forget what kind of theologian she is, but I'm, I'm bummed that I can't think of it because it's it's cool. I don't know if you guys have heard of Catherine Keller. 
you saying you're interested in astrotheology is inviting me to invite her. Mm. She does a lot of work around looking at the universe and looking at string theory. Oh, mm. yeah. And looking at... Quantum theology? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of quantum his hands theology. Um, and I found her work to be really cool and, like, it's very much this expansive... Theology, which I feel like you're even challenging with that other idea of like, what about the alien side? I'm like, well, it's, <laughs> right, it's got to right. be both, dude. Yeah, you got to walk that tension. Um, but I think, I think I'm like, I think you, as you mentioned, I'm like, that will be someone to check out. She's doing a lot of really cool work. And even what you're saying of like, people are saying like, oh, it's too big to wonder about. And she does a lot of work around this idea, which is like, I'm sure you guys probably talk about as you guys are in seminary of like apophatic theology. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of like what, mm -hmm you know, coming to know answers of what things aren't. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, it's so mysterious. The best we can do to grapple with it is, is saying what it's not, mm -hmm. which is just also like a very sick way of going around curiosity. It's wow. no small thing. I brought it back. <laughs> um, oh, 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 Byron really approached this in a really fun way. Cause it's so open-ended, I guess, but like, <laughs> hey. I don't like this below my pay grade i mean that that triggers everything i mean that's exactly yeah. what i'm saying i don't yeah. want anybody telling me what i can and can't think about and obviously we know that like prophets and heretics and people that have pushed the church forward have said i will think about that and mm -hmm. and which actually leads me to a very interesting question you know i think about the classic quintessential like alt-right incel Right. And, so, right. and to me, it's yeah. someone who's really lonely, yeah. whose emotional needs haven't been met, yeah. and they find a space that is asking the questions that they might have floating around in their head because of whatever hurt that they're feeling. Right. And in that space, it's it's this, um, you know, um, what's it called? The sound festering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the, all these thoughts just kind of bounce around in this silo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. And, um, like a sounding board. And uh, it... Echo chamber. Hey, thank you. Echo yeah. chamber. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and, it, and this echo chamber fuels this kind of ideology that then becomes so deep-seated. Yes. And so I would like to postulate that perhaps there is a line of curiosity yeah. that has the potential to be dangerous. Yes. And so at, at what point do we say then maybe a question about something that is really real in the spiritual realms right. might have potency that we don't reckon with when we are like i think a lot of you know, no need to accept this idea you can disagree with it whatever but mm. a lot of the fear mm. in what i would consider either conservative or mainline even you know um the broader church fear around the idea of like witchcraft fear around the idea right. of other gods other uh, other spirits that to engage with those powers call them demonic powers potentially you know actually has power that we are naive to mm -hmm. and so in leaning into that curiosity there can actually be harm which i would consider potentially in that in their minds to be above your pay grade right curiosity you know? killed the cat sure so mm -hmm. <laughs> that was also not a question but i would love well, to hear I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story and and i don't think frederick was necessarily here when this happened but like this is a great example of what curiosity is i guess for christians should do. I, I would use the word should there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going right. to take it back. Um, <laughs> I was on a mission trip. We're, we're going to Mississippi to mm -hmm. talk about ra racism and racial reconciliation. Yeah, yeah. And we're, up, we're, we're without even really, I'm not, we're no, not, not no small thing yet, but like we're going down as people that are curious mm -hmm. and um, we're wanting to learn about racism and, and 
in the midst of this, we go to New Orleans at the end of the trip, and all these kids start saying, "Oh, we're going to look at voodoo." Like, we're, like the, mm. more than ever, mm. there was just started to be this very high intense interest of voodoo, and I've I've never really stopped and thought about voodoo. It's just something that's in the collective consciousness here in white America. You know, it's like. And, and all of the parents, volunteers on this trip started saying, you got to shut this down. The youth pastor, you know, like voodoo. Like, do, we do not want our kids looking at voodoo. It's evil. It's dark. It's demonic. Yeah. It's just playing with fire. And I was just like, hold on a second. Before I stand up as the leader and make a statement about something I know nothing about, let me just look up a few things. You know, and I was just looking up voodoo. And it was just like, okay, well, this was an Kinda African religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is an African religion that was systematically demonized by the Catholic Church to mm. be that was rooted in racism. Like, we yeah. don't want them to have their religion. We want our, we think ours is superior. Colonial. So let's just make it mm-hmm. seem evil. Yeah. yeah, rooted in colonialism. And so I just get up to these leaders, and I'm like, this sounds racist. Like, our skepticism and our fear of voodoo sounds racist mm, to me. Mm. So, like, isn't this a great opportunity to, like, have a discussion? It's like, and there was too much fear. No. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I submit to my 20-plus leaders at this point. I'm like, we're not going to talk about voodoo. Um, but we did get to Here. a place when we were in New Orleans. And, you know, again, a precursor to the life that was ahead of me, we were being hosted by a... Uh, a, a First Presbyterian Church of New Orleans. The senior pastor was a gay man named Fred. And he greeted us, and he was very much like, welcome. He put beads on everybody's head. Hmm. And some punk kid, I'm, and I'm using that in the best way possible, <laughs> like raised their hand in the middle of it and said, what's your opinion on voodoo? Hmm. And all the, all the parents are looking at me, oh, are we talking about this? You know, and, he, and he said, you know, I'm a Trinitarian, Bible-believing Christian. Uh, but I've been to Haiti and other places, and I've seen people practicing voodoo, and they're dancing in their front yard and, and you know, shouting to the stars. And I have to believe that they're connecting with something that's probably similar to what I connect with when I connect with God. And I mm. want to leave space for that. And I was like, that's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. So when people are talking about, like, thinking about our, b- above our pay grade, it's not like, I guess what I'd want to say, it, that's why the curiosity moves past the paradigms, because you're asking that question or we're stifling that conversation in the context of like you believe and maybe there are that there are, you know, dark forces out there that if we collude with are going to harm us or something like that. So as we start to ask these questions, like uh, we're now in the realm of like darkness and it's like, that's scary. Uh, and, and yet now you can pull back and say, well, maybe that is one way of looking at, it, but maybe I'm also in the realm of racism. Maybe I'm also in the realm of like, mm. uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm pulling apart this really toxic and bad, oppressive way of thinking that is not good for anybody. I, I mean, it could be the fact. I mean, I want, I, I want to say like uh, maybe there are sure. dark forces in the world but you're leaving room for all of it yeah but this isn't just a conversation about good or bad spirituality this is also a conversation about history and racism and colonialism yeah and you can pause along the way with whoever you're with and be like consent we're back to consent like is this okay sure like you know i guess i, I guess in terms of consent i got told by the people that i was working with you know i'm not a god they said no no we're not gonna talk about this i was like okay well i'm not you know, I guess I guess for this trip, in terms of a container, we've decided we're not going to talk about voodoo. Yeah, um, but maybe there is a time where we can. You know, to to bring it back in a in a different type of way, 
one other aspect of that kind of question is, are there things that are literally beyond us, not because they should be, but because they just, like, are? They just are. Like, well, in, in a way that, you know, Mace, earlier you mentioned this idea of perhaps paradox is the thing that is closest mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. reality, and mm-hmm. curiosity is the only medium through which to approximate it. And so... So the idea of the the Trinity, for instance, mm-hmm. like it is to some extent, it is kind of above a human capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, pay grade. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make it like an economic type pay grade, of thing. Yeah. But like, there is so much that it that curiosity, even curiosity, potentially one of our highest like godlike hmm. gifts, mm-hmm. can't like we don't have enough of it to to enter into certain. Things. Like, are there things about the universe that'll be forever beyond our grasp? I have a thought about that, that because you've evoked I Trinity, that actually makes me think of, I think the Trinity is actually a, a symbol itself upholding that paradox of things being both, both beyond us and fully within us. Mm. So, Enoughness? like, we think of the Trinity, this image, I, I always think of the Trinity in a paracrate like a paracretic mm. way, the divine dance, got a painting of it right there. It's beautiful. Mm. And I think it holds in itself, I wrote a whole paper on this, so mm. I'm like, I got lots of thoughts. Ooh. It holds <laughs> in itself these these divine paradoxes, and one of, one of them I think that it holds is this idea of things being, like we, us having full access to things, like there's intimacy in the Trinity, in these relationships. There's there's touching, there's coming to, there's 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 movement towards, and there's pulling away from. Mm. And I think that that's that's even this piece of God. God is both imminent and eminent. Mm. God is both we have full access to intimacy mm. and experience in moments where we we are in union with God and at the same time that God is fully beyond us mm. while we are intimate with them. Ooh. So I think that things aren't, things are, yes, always fully beyond us. And that doesn't mean we are not also fully intimate with those things that are beyond us. Wow. If that makes sense. That there's enough of it. If, you know, if we're looking at some sort of thing that has some aspect of, the color blue mixed into the pigment and our eyes can't pick up blue. We can pick up some aspect of blueness. Yeah. That was a weird way to put it. I think even like thinking, you know, I'll turn it into like myself or a relationship like Scott. Scott is in himself an entire wonder and mystery. Mm, Yeah. There is, there is something there's Scott is, expansive and knowing Scott is fully beyond me. Knowing Scott is fully beyond Scott. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you you will never fully know yourself. There's no there's no oh I can grasp this. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I know Scott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have intimate intimacy mm-hmm. with Scott and I have access to Scott. Yeah. And and those both exist at the same time. Hmm. Dang. And it's the journey of unpacking and it's kinda like uh, a Russian doll set but with each layer you peel back there, instead of just one inside, it's like two inside and four. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's and just so never it's like, ending. <laughs> you're seeing so many layers of this thing, and you're peeling mm. it back, and you're like, wow, there's so much. But then each one just leaves you with more questions, more curiosity, more unknowing. The more intimate you get with something, the more beyond it becomes. Yeah, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was the whole exercise going to seminary. I was like, oh, no, I really realized that the Bible is... You could like I mean for example like uh, finally after 
like doing Hebrew, my Hebrew classes, which also <laughs> was like, oh my gosh. And it's like, okay, we're, we're going to do exegesis of the book of Jeremiah mm. in Hebrew. And I'm looking at this guy who's probably 70 and has talked this exegesis, Hebrew exegesis of Jeremiah for 30 years. Mm. And he's still confused. Mm. He's like, I don't get, <laughs> I don't understand this book. And I'm like, yeah. what? You know, you've 30 years just zeroed on this one book and that in and of itself is complicated, let alone the mm. whole Bible. I was just like, mm. I just came away scoffing at people are like the bible's clear the bible said it i believe it i'm like the bible is clear the what, what? The, the what is clear <laughs> yeah, the, yeah yeah what is, what is the bible <laughs> the but bible i bet you that professor has a deeper love for the book of jeremiah than totally. anyone else oh no it was contagious i mean i'm, I'm there i mean it's a three-hour deep yeah. dive into jeremiah i'm just like this guy is making me stay awake because of his passion for this crazy <laughs> book and that's what i want for myself and for all of us mm. is that when we explore anything with curiosity, whether it be God and the Holy divine mystery or life or each other or ourselves, that the more that we lean in, the more that we fall in love mm-hmm. with yeah. the journey of curiosity. Mm. Well, I think this is a nice little through line and maybe a full circle thing of like going back to the defense mechanism of splitting. Cause I think this got invoked in your sort of testimony of sorts mm-hmm. of like so many people I talk to think they need to, take this fork in the road mm. atheism or faith or agnosticism. I need, I need to make a choice and then I need to identify. And it's like, that's splitting, you know, you're like, you're an agnostic at one moment. You're an atheist next. You're a person of faith and maybe it all bleeds together. Like you don't need to choose. That's too easy. It's like, mm. if you want to, you can, if you want to identify as an Byron's atheist, I'm, I'm, I'm just wishing that we had heard that sentence Three weeks ago, when we talked to Connie, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we we kind of we were kind of directing Connie towards a bit of a a decision of a split, <laughs> in some ways, which might have been healthy at that time. I don't know, Connie, if you're listening, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please forgive us. Well, like, <laughs> like, like I said, always. maybe at times for certain people it is healthy. Maybe somebody yeah. maybe somebody experienced toxic religion and needs to split mm. and say, "I am an atheist." Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. Ultimately, well, um, we don't have to. I think I'm. This is coming to mind. I don't know why, but it's this interesting thing of like. I, I use the identifier of I'm a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And also I use that identifier for more societal and mm. like personal empowering reasons because it was like, well, the L word was a dirty word in my mind. Yeah. But being a lesbian is so complicated and expansive mm-hmm. to me that I don't consider it as like, oh, I'm a lesbian. It means these specific things. You help you it know? make, you help it be complicated. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's for certain. <laughs> but I think for me, even with time, it's like I needed that label years ago, yeah, yeah. and I still use it. But I don't. But it, it's taken on so much more. It it it, it exists alongside like other new categories. Mm-hmm. You know, I no longer see it as oh, well, that means I can't have these other kinds of thoughts alongside it. You know, I think I thought there was a split of like, can I be non-binary and lesbian? And it's like, well, now there's, there's room for both. There's room for those, those tensions to exist. And you don't have Um, to just sit in the unknowing. You can actually try some of those labels on those identities. And it's almost like a metamorphosis mm -hmm. that you go through that shell and you're like, okay, maybe that's not the place where I stay. But in that process, I have grown into more of who I really am. Right. No, exactly. And I'm like, well, and it it still fits. It's still, as of right now, I would fully use it. But like, also there's a piece of me that's like, and you probably don't know what I mean fully by that. (laughs) And love that a little bit. I love, I love that that unknowing. I'm I'm packing for New Jersey right now. New Jersey, here we come. 
Um, and I was looking through my library, and there's this book that someone gave me a long time ago called The Cloud of Unknowing. Whoa. And it's Whoa. This, this book about, like, orthodox transcendental ide- ideation about God. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Damn. And it reminded me, there's this one story. Um, there's this, like, young pilgrim who is walking by the monastery, and every day he passes this old beggar. And one day he asks the beggar, uh, what are you doing here? And the beggar says, oh, I'm just listening. Mm. Um, and he says, oh, well, what did you hear today? It's like, oh, I heard, I heard the birds in the trees and I, I heard people passing by. It's like, well, what did you hear yesterday? Uh, and he says, well, a, a long time ago, I heard when Christ came into the world and I heard his crying. Dang. And he said, oh, my gosh, were you there at the very beginning? Mm. Did you hear the first sound? And the guy says, I'm still hearing it. Mm. Woo! And this 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 transcendental like ah that's um, good. Again, Orthodox mystics and this idea of the uncreated light mm. that certain Orthodox monks were were given the grace of. Mm. And and something that you were saying, Mace, reminded me. I ha- I have often said as as a an appeal towards towards grace. There are few things that we as humans have in infinite capacity. We're not all knowing. We're not all-powerful. We're not a lot of those omnis. By the grace of God, we have an infinite capacity towards grace. Hmm. We always have the option to be graceful or gracious. Mm -hmm. You've just added another one that I think we always have the capacity. We have infinite capacity for curiosity. Mm. You've added one to to Byron's list. You've Mm. added one to my list. I love Um, that. So I don't know. Well, I, I want to be sensitive to our time and stuff, but I had one other question. Sure, yeah, particularly yeah. to yeah. Scott That's as a parent, but Ooh, but parent. Mace, you you work with kids so much, and parent of snails too, you know, and parent of snails. Ah. I let my snails go. <laughs> there hadn't been a post for a while. I was yeah, curious. I let my snails go. Um, <laughs> I really, it's it's a goal of mine one day to get to to get you a you know giant African snail that's like <gasps> gonna crawl up your arm. Um, <laughs> we'll see about that. that really but, shook Mace. Just <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I caught that in my soul. <laughs> um, what do you do when a kid just asks why? And then you give another answer and they say, but why? Right. Oh, and why? I have thoughts. You yeah. don't answer that. Yeah. I mean, you have easily just as much thoughts about that, but, but like it but does remind me of Pinocchio, right? Mm. Like when Pinocchio is becoming a real boy, he says so with Geppetto in the story and just keeps asking why and Geppetto is just getting really exasperated. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's the thing. It's like, I mean, parenting brings up all the weird conversations around this. Cause you are like a God to a, to a little baby kid. Ooh. And, um, I think, I guess a hot take for me in terms of parents is, um, we can take all, a lot of the things we've talked about tonight and, um, you, oh, how do I condense these big thoughts? Um, you know, those questions can bring up all your defense mechanisms and fears. And so, you know, you want to shut down those questions because they're making the questions arise in your own spirit. And I think mm-hmm. parents really do that. Parents um, give those easy answers. I So because they're afraid to question them themselves, and that's why I say youth are prophets, mm-hmm. a kid who's even three asking why is prophetic. And if that brings up a new way of thinking or a new challenging way to approach the world, um, it, it might make you uncomfortable. So you shut that down, but it could open up a whole new field of possibilities for you if you let it. I don't know. So for me, obviously, I don't think it's going to be surprised to anybody that like in general, I think my kids would agree that I've encouraged questions and exploration. Um, 
I mean, I think, I think, I think the most consistent feedback slash compliment I get from my kids, I get a lot of complaints and a lot of critiques, uh, is, is that I'm chill, <laughs> you know? So maybe there are times where I'm not, I mean, sometimes I lose my temper or something like that, but in general, it's like, I mean, sometimes I think my daughter has been like, could you please give me some more answers? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for me, I've, I think it's just my nature to have always wanted to encourage exploration. I love that. So I think there are times where I could have done it better. I mean, honestly, being friends with Mace, who works with preschool kids, there's definitely times, especially in those early years, I could have done a lot better. But, mm. but yeah, I know I already know you have some pop-off thoughts. Not big pop-off. I think, I think I get asked why a lot, and I think I go, I mean, my, my general answer is, why do you think? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? And then if there's a way for them to discover it on their own, mm. let's find that. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I, I work at a school that a huge philosophy of it is like, we tell children what to think. We tell them what the world is. We don't allow them to discover it for themselves and for them to make meaning of it. So I think generally, if possible, with a, something like a why question, it is... For me, a lot of curiosity of I wonder why they're curious around this. Yeah. wonder what they're working out here. And also sometimes literally is like, why is that that way? But I always am like, what do you think? Why, why do you think? You know, because that's also going to give a funny answer first off. It's going to yeah, get so some just real good some answer right there. Uh, setting yourself up for some, some entertainment. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder what made you think that, you know, and then inviting them to think that, you know, and then being like, well, I've heard this thing. And less of like oh i know this thing hmm. but more of like i was taught this and i believe this or that. this kind of thing but I, I i think i generally try to not give answers to children mm-hmm. because i i think more than anything they they're they're told so many answers that let's let them let's come let's let them come to their conclusions mm-hmm. you know like create meaning on their own there's another full circle Mm-hmm. Responses, not answers. Yeah, Responses, no, exactly, not answers. Exactly. Yeah, that's really good. As we wind down, I have a reading. Mm. <gasps> I knew you would. What? <laughs> this yeah. guy's got a reading. I, th- I think it's. A, I mean, it's like it's like I think it's a good cross between like theology, curiosity. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's Paul Tillich, so mm-hmm. it's not going to surprise Bringing anybody. in some no small thing vibes here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, here we go. This is from Paul Tillich, who's for me my taste. In, in what I've experienced in life, my favorite theologian, I'm sure there's others. I love lots of theologians, but um, I mean, uh, get ready, settle in, because this is not long, but it's longish. We're here. God's being imminent, said Abraham Joshua Heschel, depends on us. Our hearts, minds, and our souls impel our spines to lift or dig, our arms to take or give, our lips to speak good words or bad ones. God needs people. Canonically or not, he places himself in our hands. Some Christian fundamentalists, too, find this most modern of ideas invigorating. In March 1992, Brother Carl Porter, an evangelical holiness minister from Georgia, preached to a responsive crowd in Scottsboro, Alabama, where writer Dennis Covington heard him, God ain't no white-bearded old man up in the sky somewhere. He's a spirit. Amen. Thank you, God. He's a spirit. He ain't got no body. Amen. Thank God. The only body he's got is us. Amen. Thank God. These are the crowd responding. The only body he's got is us. 
a fine piece of modern theology. That it bollockses the doctrines of God's omnipotence and completeness in himself apparently bothers few believers, perhaps because it solves more problems than it makes, saving for a mere example the doctrine that God is merciful and good. What was Jesus writing on the ground? Hmm. A list of things to do before being crucified? An itinerary for the next few weeks? Go beyond Jordan, then to Bethany in Judea, to Ephraim near the wilderness, back to Bethany and into Jerusalem? Till the very end of time, matter will always remain young, exuberant, sparkling, newborn for those who are willing, Telliard wrote. The finest lows and the finest sand are particles so numerous and small that they make clay. Clay to make the emperor stiff soldiers who kept his corpse company deep in the lows. Clay the ball shem tove dug for his living in the uh, Carpathian Mountains. Clay Lucille Swan molded over a cast skull of parking man to make a face, head, and neck. Okay, now it's getting good. You cannot mend the chromosome, quell the earthquake, or staunch the flood. You cannot atone for dead tyrants' murders, and you alone cannot stop living tyrants. As Martin Buber saw it, writing at his best near the turn of the last century, the world of ordinary days affords us that precise association with God that redeems both us and our own little speck of the world. God entrusts and allots to everyone an area to redeem. This creased and feeble life, the world in which you live, just as it is and not otherwise. So, a farmer can unfetter souls and free divine sparks in his beasts and in his houses, his garden and in his meadow, his tools and in his food. Here and now, presumably, an ordinary person would approach with a holy and compassionate intention the bank and the post office the carpool, the God help us television, the retirement account, the car, the desk, the phone, and keys. Side note, this is Annie Dillard, not Paul Tillich. (laughs) Insofar as he cultivates and enjoys them in holiness, he frees their souls, yeah. He who prays and and sings in holiness, eats and speaks in holiness, in holiness performs the appointed ablutions, and in holiness reflects upon his business, Through him, the sparks which have fallen will be uplifted, and the world which has fallen will be delivered and renewed. It is given to humans to lift up the fallen and to free the imprisoned, not merely to wait, not merely to look on, humans able to work for the redemption of the world. The work is not yours to finish, Rabbi Taphron said, but neither are you free to take no part in it. It was Annie Dillard. <laughs> I have things this marked that Dillard. I love to read, and I was like, oh, this must be Paul Tillich. I was like, I'm reading it. I'm like, this is Annie this Dillard. This is not Paul Tillich's voice. Um, Whoosh. <laughs> I would love to hear both of you ask a question to our listeners that none of us answer. Oh, 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 Wow. Just, you know, to ins- in the theme of curiosity yeah. moving forward. But I've got my question. You do? Yeah. Oh. We'll end with the questions and then our, our benediction. So, yeah. I don't know if it's I, this is this is the most open-ended thing, so it could be any kind of question. Yeah, yeah. Be any question. Yeah, yeah and then you great. guys a- answer, ask a benediction. Yeah, you we, do. We, we have a benediction. Okay. So yeah. So we're we're doing layers of benedictions. We're doing uh, reading a question. Um. Yeah. So I guess my question would be, um, how do I phrase this in a simple way? Um, what. What 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 is yours to be curious about? What is yours to be curious about? We're all given 
something, you know. Hmm. I'll leave it at that. My question's kind of different, obviously. I feel like that's it's my question is an interesting thing because it almost answers your question in a way. But it's kind of two questions. Response to? Response. (laughs) Yeah, response to. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) There it is. Um, When's the last time you went on a play date? And what's an ideal play date for you? Mm. Mm. Seems unrelated, but I don't think it is. (laughs) We'll make that fit somehow. We'll leave those two questions with all of you, with our Barefoot Tomeus community and all of our siblings joining us from the No Small Things community. May you find wonder in the mundane, hope amidst the chaos, and comfort in the love that makes you you. Go in peace.